Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast. The Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Replant Bootcamp Greenwood, Missouri edition. And I'm here with two Bobs. Two Bob B's. B4. B cubed. B. Well, B cubed would be B3. Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember. What, what is <laughs> math is hard. Pastor math. Here we go. Is, so if cubed is three, what is is there a word for four? B- quattro? Is it, it's not quattro. I don't know. I don't know B either. to the fourth. Look, when I was in college, the first class I signed up for was algebra, so I could get it over with. Yeah. And I... Got signed up for a tutor that same day that I registered. I just needed to get through it. Okay. And I graduated with a C in algebra, and I was pretty impressed with College myself. algebra. It's a big barrier for a lot of people, it actually. It is. So I, when I took logic, I could do logical equations, which people think that's yes. the same thing as algebra. It is not the same thing no. as algebra. Mm-mm. Logic I got an A in. Because there's can, no imaginary numbers. It's logical, <laughs> uh, and it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But algebra, I math is not... I also did not know when I was in college that I'm dyslexic. That would be good to know. Yeah, it would have been nice to know that. But I didn't know it, but I got a tutor. Anyway, we're not here to talk about math. (laughs) But I was going to say the B cubed worked perfect for my intro because I was going to say we had BBQ for dinner with B cubed. (laughs) But that doesn't work. With B Quattro. It, everything has been blown to bits. It's all gone. It's all gone. It's done. So we are here at the Replant Summit 2020 in the Kansas City Metro. And uh, Jimbo, give me a little bit. Is this different than Jackson, Missouri? This is much better than Jackson, Missouri. All right. The lady at the hotel front desk was fully toothed. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> fully toothed. She had them all. And so I felt a lot more comfortable we had recognizable fast food chains. Yes, yes. We didn't eat at a place called Tractors. We actually ate at a place <laughs> called Jack's Duck Barbecue. Yeah, and it was good. It's Kansas City, one of the Kansas City favorites. Yeah, I had burnt ends. I, I do have a question, a barbecue question. All right. When they said burnt ends and you can do beef, pork, or sausage, I, how is sausage a burnt end? That's why I didn't order it because I didn't understand. <laughs> so the burnt ends in Kansas City is the end of the meat where it terminates they just get it a little extra crispy and so then they chop that off so maybe they let everything cook a little bit longer and you just get the end of the sausage i did not just get the end of it i got other middle sausage pieces oh. and and that's not what burnt ends are no we need to throw a flag on them the yeah, barbecue I flag i didn't know if it was a kansas city thing I, I ordered it, honestly, out of mere curiosity of what a sausage burn-in was. Because <laughs> I had never heard of a sausage burn-in. And I'll tell you, I had sausage burn-in tonight, and I still don't know what a sausage burn-in is. Was it good? Did it it tasted good. Okay. I like sausage a lot. Right. So that's why I figured, out of curiosity, I could order it. But it wasn't a gamble, because I like sausage. There so either go. way, it, I won. Oh. Now, I'm just not still not sure why it's called a burn-in. <laughs> I can't but, tell you. <laughs> but it was tasty. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the company. We had good company. We did. Some of our replant team members, uh, a couple special guests, 
Ron McCoy from Sandals Church. We might should have him on a future boot camp. Yeah, we should. They're doing some great work in California. His financing approach is pretty interesting, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. So I pastor Redemption Church, and I have two other roles, one with the Jacksonville Baptist Association and one with NAM, both with replanting and revitalization. And my direct report supervisor at each place is Bob B. Yes. And Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so when I tell my wife, Oh, I was talking with Bob earlier today. She always goes, which one? Mm -hmm. And so I'm having to develop the habit of saying Bob Bickford and Bob Bumgarner. Mm -hmm. And so Bob Bumgarner is newly minted as lead associational missional strategist for the Jacksonville Baptist Association, the new Rick Wheeler. New and improved. New and improved Rick (laughs) Wheeler. No Uh, disregard to Rick Wheeler. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us just real fast what it's been like at a brand new role March 1, and then COVID hits. All the memes for 2020, it's just another one of the memes. Mm-hmm. I hit the ground standing. I, there was nowhere to go. Like there was that. nothing to do. Standing. <laughs> and I've been listening. I've been doing a lot of encouraging. Actually, the last three or four weeks have felt more uh, like what I imagined the job to be. And so I'm here with you guys learning how to bring replanting even to a higher level in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Bob Bumgarner is one of those guys who is like a ninja triple black belt in leadership. He is certified. We don't, the, This podcast is not long enough for him to tell us all the leadership systems he is certified in. But one of the things I know he brings into leadership a lot is situational leadership, which is originally authored by Ken Blanchard. Correct. But it's been co-opted by so many people. Mm-hmm and used in a lot of ways, which is really just a testament to how effective and helpful Mm -hmm. it is. For our listeners that maybe have never heard of situational leadership, can you give us just a brief introduction as to what that is? Yeah, situational leadership is simply a way to match your leadership style to the developmental needs of the people that you're trying to lead. So if you have beginners on your team, how are you going to lead a beginner as opposed to somebody who might have a master uh, capacity to, to do something? So it's it's all about not leading from who you are, which is what our temptation is, to lead to who they are so that their needs are met and your expectations are met through the conversations. That's really it's a shortcut for that. That's really helpful. I, I appreciate that distinction of it's not leading from really yourself but leading towards correct the person that you're leading i could see how in a replant that could be really beneficial absolutely most replants are not rich with leaders by the time that they're down to the lowest part of their decline cycle so when they're at the low part there you've got the leaders the good leaders have left and you need to understand how do i as a leader lead the people who are here what would be some ways that somebody could use situational leadership in a replant. Okay, so one of the things that situational leadership allows you to do is to diagnose people's developmental level. And people will tell you how to lead them if you know how to listen to them. And so somebody who is new to a role, Blanchard has given language that they're called either an enthusiastic beginner or a reluctant recruit. So you can tell by the level of enthusiasm they bring or the amount of caution that they bring to a particular situation. What what situational leadership is always trying to do is measure someone's competency level and someone's commitment level. Those are the two domains. And and it makes this simple um, four-quadrant grid that allows you to say, so so one of the grids is enthusiastic beginner, but then you go to this next quadrant, 
which is the disillusioned learner. It's the person who, so the enthusiastic beginner doesn't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're amped about it. They're amped up, they're excited about everything. They're overly optimistic most of the time, a little bit naive. So when you give them direct uh, lists to do, they feel loved and supported. But then you got the disillusioned learner, and the disillusioned learner is somebody who has, oh, I now know what I do not know. And in that moment, there is usually disillusionment. There's usually discouragement. And you can usually read it in them when you, when they're not quite as enthusiastic or maybe the reluctance is coming to the is coming to the forefront. We'll talk about in a little bit about what you do with somebody who's there because you don't want somebody to get stuck as a, disillus- a disillusioned learner. And the good news is that nobody skips these stages. So everybody at some point is either a reluctant recruit or enthusiastic beginner. You have to go through the the disillusioned learner in order to get to the third quadrant, which is what we call the self the the reliant achiever. Okay, so it's somebody who they know what they know. Okay, so in other words, they're good at some stuff, but they still lack a little bit of confidence. They know how to do the job, but, and you probably think they know how to do it really well, but they don't think they know how to do it as well as you think that they know how to do it. And then the the self reliant achiever which is the fourth one, is the, that's the person that you can just say, hey, I need this task done, and you can set them free to, to, go and, to go for it. So those are the four developmental levels that you would use, that you would diagnose people with. So I, I'm wondering, if there, could we add a replant category <laughs> quadrant? I know this is, it messes it up. Yeah, so what if they're unenthusiastic? I, I was thinking the stuck-in-the-mud skeptic. Yeah, so oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> See? Just saying, because, like, honestly, sometimes you get into a replant, and they're not excited or competent. <laughs> no, they're, they're angry and they're frustrated. And they and here's what I, I, I've seen that before. Yeah. Two previous pastors had the same idea, and we outweighed them, and we're going to outweigh you. So could you, does that fit somewhere in the situational league? Yeah, it, or do we need to call Ken Blanchard? <laughs> if you can get him on, that would, you need to call him. But it does fit. And I think when you, I think that the thing that you have that the business world doesn't have when they're dealing with this, you have this thing called calling. And so you can appeal to calling even in the midst of somebody's lack of confidence or low commitment. You can appeal to calling and still adjust to that particular style. I think you can. So one of the things I think about when I'm hearing this in church plants and in particular types of replants, there seems to be a consistent theme I've heard from a lot of people. Those who are most enthusiastic and for you in the beginning on your core team will be some of the first to leave you at some point. And I've heard that so many times now Mm -hmm. that there obviously is some consistent truth to that happening. Mm often enough for that to be a repeated phrase. What could situational leadership give us that could perhaps curtail that some on the front end? Yeah, I don't, so what it can give you is a Christ honoring way to help people grow so that if they choose to go, you've done everything you can do. They're not gonna leave because you've mistreated them. They may leave because the vision is not what they thought it would be when they were running 35 and now you're running 250 and they're not a big fish in a small Mm -hmm. pond anymore. But at least you will know that you have done everything you can do to help them live out God's call, their shape, in how they express what they do where they they are. So to me, they're side by side, but it's not exactly the same. It's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to... The disappointment of 
what we sometimes end up doing because we can't clearly tell people everything they're going to experience along the way. There's a predictable part of people leaving, but I do think part of the upside of sit lead, that's just shorthand for situational leadership, is the confidence that you know. That Are you, you allowed have, to say sit lead if you're yeah, not a black belt? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I need to clarify. Like I thought he's I thought he stuttered for a minute. I was like, <laughs> oh can we can we see, can we slow it down a little bit? Sit lead. Yes. Is that, okay. All right. Situation. Yeah. Man, it's like <laughs> leadership slang here. Yes. Okay. All right. Sorry. Can, can tell you, he's on a whole other level. I, no, I don't. I need a glossary. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, what could situational leadership bring specifically to replanting? a dying church, revitalizing a dying church in leadership development for a pastor who feels spread thin with his time and with very limited resources as far as volunteers. Okay. So the, at the simplest level, you would know that there are at least, there are four different places your leaders may be. So you may be talking to a volunteer team of eight people and you may assume that they're that one thing about them but but they all may be there may be three people who are ready to go you just need to tell them to go there may be six people that they need you to give them the actual list there may be one person who's stuck or any other variation of that so it gives you a way to to assess where your folks are and you can do that you can either read leadership in the one minute manager it's, it's literally an hour and a half read whatever and you and it, it's, it's, Unless you're dyslexic, yeah. <laughs> and it's intuitive enough that you could actually use it that you know that afternoon. If if there's anybody within your network that has done any lead like Jesus training, if you yeah. have a, a mm-hmm. coach that the lead like Jesus model is built on the situational leadership business model. So the first thing it does is it actually tells you there's a paradigm out there where it's your obligation as a leader to match who they are. It's not their responsibility as followers to try to figure you out. So you're, so what you're doing is like in the Jahari window, you are self-revealing. You are telling folks what it is that, you're letting them know what the expectations are, but you're also speaking their language, which the research shows when you speak somebody's language, it actually feels like love to them. It produces mm-hmm. security so they'll take more risks. Mm-hmm. This is a great concept in terms of how you divide your time as a leader, I think, because most of us would say we want to get in that quadrant where we just can give somebody a little bit of information and they can run with it and make it happen beautifully. But the reality is those that's a small percentage of most of our churches and mm-hmm. particularly of our replants. So most of it, we get worn out, right, as replanters because we're bearing a lot of weight, we're doing a lot of things. And a good number of the people who are left in the, the church that's been in decline mm-hmm. are not a higher level leader, yeah. right? They're, they're good folks, faithful folks who just said, Would, Pastor, just tell me what to do. And then even some of those folks may not be to that capability. You may tell them what to do and they'll go, I don't think we ought to do that. <laughs> so there's a lot of leadership drain mm-hmm. on a guy that's revitalizing or replanting. So if you're looking at your week, you're looking at the folks who are part of your replant, how would you help a, le- uh, a replant leader craft his weekly schedule so that he's not exhausted and frustrated and ready to quit okay. at the end of the week? So I'm a big believer in block scheduling. Mm-hmm. So you take your week and you figure out your chunks of time. I would start by saying, where are you most productive? Where do you struggle? And we would go through that. And so I would want him to put whatever he believes are the, the, the two or three things that, that absolutely have to get done. Sermon preparation, some pastoral care, whatever, and put block those times off. The great thing about it, so if you're somebody 
who who it you, it takes 15 hours a week to prepare a sermon and that only leaves you 25 other hours that would I think you need situational leadership even more <laughs> because at the end of the day what you have to do is if you know that your that if you have eight members on your team and you know that six of them are enthusiastic beginners that means you've got to leave enough margin in your life for six people who don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. and what we typically do is we sort of hope that they're better than enthusiastic beginners and then we get we actually end up getting mad at them because we expected them to behave like a level three or a level four, but really they were just who they are and they were doing level one stuff. And so not only do we get mad at them and disappointed, they've actually messed something up and they haven't felt cared for yeah. in the process. And you're tired because you put too much other stuff in your week when you had such a young team, mm-hmm. an inexperienced team. Lot a lot to deal with here, just in terms of understanding the concepts and applying them. And so I'm just there's a lot of things that sure. I'm thinking about. Is and one of them being, how do we help people move to the next quadrant? Okay, so like from an enthusiastic be- sure. beginner to yeah, so they're going to do it on their own. Okay, okay. So for instance, you give them a job. So somebody. Maybe you wanted to do vacation Bible school for the first time in your replant and thought that was a way to reach your community. So if, if you have an enthusiastic beginner, then what you do is you actually give them the list, the check, and you say, I need you to go buy these things, do these things, enlist these people by next Friday. Yeah. Very clear, very, de- and you give them the list and you tell them when they're going to report back. At the point that they're done with that, then you actually have a debrief with that. And so next year, when it's that time, you would say to them, hey, where you did it last year do you want to do it again this year how much help do you need from me and if they knocked it out of the park they may just say give me the list and i don't have to i don't have to check in so basically situational leadership thank you for asking this because this is real important jimbo could be an enthusiastic beginner in one area of his life but maybe a master trainer in another area this isn't the whole person right this is task specific okay so in other words, when you give some, so when I left, I was an executive pastor. I was a great executive pastor. The day I started at the JBA, COVID aside, I was an enthusiastic beginner. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, because I'd not done it before. So in, when it was task specific, I was a novice, even though I've had 30 years of leadership development experience. And it, it, so you can also tell when somebody realizes what they don't know they're going to ask different kinds of questions. They're going to have different kinds of looks. So you'll automatically, and you can just say, hey, are you a little discouraged right now? I think, I, I feel like I'm feeling some discouragement. How does, how is this VBS thing playing out for you as you try to, to do this? And then when it comes to processing them through the, the rest of it, what, you, what they need more on the other side of the equation when they get to D3 and D4 is they need your encouragement, mm-hmm. the support. They, they don't need encouragement as much as they need to, you to say, man, you're killing it. Let's go on with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see one of the main leadership failures a lot of guys made, and I, I've seen myself do this at times, is delegate and dump. Mm-hmm. Where because I feel like I'm overwhelmed and busy and there's too much to be done, and so I don't, I don't, I don't give a detailed list. I don't give – I just say, hey, we need to have VBS, Bob. Yep. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Think about it. If you read a blog on it, if you read a blog on developing people or if you hear a, a conference speaker speak on it, they say that you need a delegate or you're a bad leader, right? Sure. But they never tell you that there are phases of delegation. Mm-hmm. They never tell you what appropriate delegation 
looks like. And you actually do. I, you call it dumping. I call it abdicating. Like when you dump without proper respo- uh, resourcing, if you give a level one person a level four task, that's abdication of your leadership. On the other hand, if you have other issues of micromanagement and you give a master, somebody who's a level four, if you treat them like a D1, they're going to be gone. And yeah. you're going to actually forfeit all of the good they brought. I remember very specifically a conversation I was having with uh, a gentleman who was a uh, high capacity level leader. So that means D4. Is that mm-hmm. a, he was the highest capacity. We were getting ready to pull off a men's retreat. And, uh, and so he asked me to come to lunch with him. So great, come to lunch. And so I had my list of things that we needed to take care of. Somebody needs to buy ice. Somebody needs to buy cooler, this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, I started talking with him about that. And he's so gracious. He just he stopped me and goes, hey, I'm a different kind of leader. <laughs> and so I, I don't, see, he I was don't gracious to you. Yeah, he was really gracious to me. So I just sat back and he goes, here's what I can do. He goes, I can recruit some guys. And I can begin to give them those lists and then I can coach them for you and make sure that we get those. And I was yeah. like, can I hug you right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so like, you would yeah. be a missionary to a replay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a key moment for me because I was like in the early 30s, just a young guy and coming out of student ministry. And um, <laughs> student ministry, man, you just, you're, you talk about checklists. Remember your notebook friend mm-hmm. who has like just the checklist after checklist. Yeah. And so it was super helpful for me. And I had just started growing in my own leadership understanding. But that's a great point of looking for the kind of leaders that you need, how they're what they're suited to do, what they are energized by, what drains them, and what causes them to look at you as a leader and go, I'm not sure I'm on his leadership train. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing too. A lot of times we think of giftedness, spiritual giftedness. Just because somebody is spiritually gifted in a thing, here's what I can tell you. They're still going through all four phases of this situation mm-hmm. on their way to expressing that gift with full maturity and love. Mm-hmm. They're not going to start off on the fully expert side of their giftedness. And so sometimes we think if somebody's gifted with you know, hospitality, they're automatically going to be good at planning an event. That's not necessarily no. the case. So I know. So talking this about BB, BBS, that just stresses me out. I'm like about to check out. Can we, like, I'm like I'm the level zero on the BBS. Um, but I, think, I know where that came from. So. I think about this. Now, BBS is a good example. Uh, Bob just has a lot of post-traumatic stress. I got kicked out of BBS when I was a kid because I was mean and hit kids. All right. So I don't want to talk about it. I think about one of the passages we bring up often on purpose is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Mm-hmm. That it's the work of the leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I remember when I moved to Jacksonville, one of the first things that Rick Wheeler, the former Bob Bumgarner, <laughs> taught me was situational leadership. And I don't know if he just saw that I was an enthusiastic beginner and was like, this kid needs some help or what. But I remember it striking me in that conversation and reflecting on Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, the idea of it is my job to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to delegate it to them. Yeah, I think that one of the reasons he did that is because like, we, we operate off the same model of personal, interpersonal team and organizational leadership. And we both believe that situational leadership is the anchor piece for the interpersonal model. Coaching is our one for the person for the team model and those kind of things. But here's a piece that I think is important. When you think about e- equipping folks, I really think that whole model where and I think situational leadership helps with this. The idea that in the enthusiastic beginner stages and I'll, I'll do it you watch 
an idea. Like that's what the list, that's what the list does for them. It's you're actually doing that part of the thinking for them. And then you come to the second one, which is I'll do it and you'll help me. That's the disillusioned learners. That's how you help somebody through. They're actually helping them do it. But then it switches and it switches to you do it and I'll help you. Mm. And then the fourth level is you'll do it and I, I will cheer. I have a friend who is a disease, uh, a, a childhood disease specialist for the University of Florida and that she consults with the CDC. And she trains pediatric disease specialists. And here's the thing. What she told me one day is that every pediatrician that comes to her, if you tell them, if you tell them what, uh, what the presenting symptoms are and tell them what to do, they can treat the child. What, in, in essence, if you give them the list, they can treat the child. What she's always trying to do is find out who could be the list maker. Mm-hmm. So, when you mm-hmm. think of, so when you think about situational leadership, the first two stages, the enthusiastic beginner and disillusioned learner, you're giving them the list. What every church, what every revitalizer needs, replanter needs, is the list maker. You use that, Bob, in your illustration of the guy who's going to help you with the men's retreat. Hey, I can make the list. That's a great way to know if somebody's progressed. Hey, hey, we're going to plan VBS, men's retreat, student camp. Make a list of what you think needs to be done. And then you look at the list, and if the list meets your satisfaction, guess what? They're a stage three or stage four. That's the easy diagnosis for that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if the list comes back incomplete. Here, you don't have to crucify them. You just you fill in the blanks where the list. Buy Kool Aid. <laughs> now, if it's that bad, this is no. Listen, true story. I had a youth ministry intern that I put in charge of youth games. He got up there. He had planned a game: baby food, musical chairs. A couple of kids doing musical chairs. Whoever loses has to eat baby food. I'm not lying to you, Bob's. He, he got on stage without chairs, baby food, or music set up. Wow. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment because I just thought, what a phenomenal illustration of dropping it. Just you, Situational <laughs> leadership cannot help that. <laughs> I mean, just completely. When did he learn that he didn't have any of that? When did, when did it the realization? On stage. And he, He's announced the game. We're going to play baby food, musical chairs. Kids are cheering. And one item at a time, he realizes, oh, we don't have chairs. And then he goes and gets some chairs. And then he goes, and then somebody loses. And I intentionally just watched. I just said, I'm just going to let him fail here. Oh and, and, and so one item at a time, like he got the chair set up. And then he was, oh, then he goes, oh, I need some music. Looks at the guy in the soundboard and says, can you just get me some music? And the guy was like, uh, sure, I'll figure something out. And then the first one loses, and he's like, oh, where's the baby food? I don't have any baby food. And so the whole thing, I just the best real example I've ever well, seen. Well, so here's the thing. So let's, let's pretend that it did really happen. It really happened. So I'm not going to ask you what you did, but let's pretend what you did. You had a debriefing meeting afterwards, mm-hmm. and you said... You could call it that. <laughs> how would you do... I would say it's a termination meeting. <laughs> how would you do that differently? Because what I should have done is made sure that you had thought of those kinds of... I should things. have. Yeah. So in other words... It's it, not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> as awkward as it is and as, much, as busy as we are and we don't have time for that, what's your option? To drive right. over him, to back the bus over him, or yeah. to help him be better the next time. I yeah. Mean. All right. Last thing before we run out of time, Bob Bumgarner. You've mentioned a couple of resources and books, but if the replanters wanted to go one place, obviously 
listening to this podcast is not going to give them enough information. Right, sure. And so if they want to dive deeper into this, where would you point them? Okay, if you tend to like business books and you have that strategic mindset, I would say get Leadership in the One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard and look for the newest version. I think there's one that's come out in 2018 or something like that. And then there is Lead Like Jesus Revisited, which is, I'm dropping a name here, but I actually got to be a part of a room. I was in a room with Ken when he was rewriting some of those things, and I got to actually contribute to some of that. None of it, my name's not on the book. I'm not saying that I did that, but we morphed some things from the field into Mm -hmm. that book. And so anyway, that's a good that's a good resource for the Bible verse side. That's what I say, the Bible verse side of mm-hmm. sit leading. So I like it. All right, guys, it's episode forty nine. Big milestone next week, Bob. I episode fifty. Five zero. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.